Alrighty, welcome to a new year with the Safety Brief. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and joining today is Tanner and Matt. As always, thank you both for being here. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> today we're diving into the exciting and ever-evolving world of cybersecurity as we unravel 2023 and share our predictions for 2024. So let's kick it off with 2023. Uh, what notable developments have you observed in the cybersecurity landscape over the past year? Tanner, do you want to fire that one off? This is your wheelhouse. Go for it. <sighs> okay. Hold on. Let me, let me look at the question again and think about how I want to formulate this answer. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I want to try and remain positive but there's not a whole lot of positive that can really remain after this last year. Um, stupid has prevailed. I don't mean to say that as in humanity itself is stupid, but there's been a whole lot of dumb that we've seen that just everybody seems to be doing. Um, number one, you have to actually look at the security provider that you're using. There are a lot of claims that are made. This last year, there was so much hubris that I saw just on LinkedIn alone in the form of people trying to hard sell. You need to look and, and see what the capabilities actually are. Don't just take the word of somebody who's trying to make the sale. They're going to tell you anything because they want to make the sale. That's not good. That has ramped up way beyond the levels that I've ever seen before in the last year. I'm not sure if it's purely because there were so many incidents that came out or so many uh, new threats that appeared or, or what, but I mean, it was uncanny. Um, Non-standard development processes were another interesting development. And by that, I mean, developing ransomware using languages that were never really intended to be used to develop ransomware like Rust. Uh, pretty impressive, scary, but also extremely impressive. If you look at, you know, the fact that we're still getting pushed to better ourselves because everybody else is bettering themselves. Um, there has, I will say one positive thing, there has been more emphasis on cybersecurity in industries or organizations as a whole. I'm, I'm, I'm sure this has something to do with the fact that everybody and their brother seems to be getting hit with ransomware or some form of a data breach, but people are starting to finally come around and realize that you have to have security. On top of that, you have to have a budget for security so that you can continue to better your security. I mean, those are, those are a few of the things I've seen. Tanner, jump in. I, I was just actually going to ask you, you know, I, we, seen a huge change not so much obviously attacks can lead somebody into the am i covered type questions um, but with compliance as well the changes mm -hmm. to compliance and how hard these entities are coming down on different industries and saying you know how are you storing your data how are how are you protecting yourself um, that's a huge push for 2023 or within 2023 it was um, gdpr was a was a massive push yeah um there, I mean, if you look at it, GDPR was designed to keep the data safe. Nobody thought about the applications of what happens if you're ransomed and they take the data to another country. They're extricating the data, 
not only are they taking it to say another country, it could be a sanctioned company or country. Yeah. I mean, that opens up all kinds of different things. So now you as a company were going to get hit for the GDPR aspect of things. You're still going to get hit with that, but what else are they going to do now that the data has gone to someplace that's sanctioned and you can't do deals with sanctioned countries? Yeah, that was, that was a big one. Um, with the overall topic, I guess would have been security validation, but just seeing that, that uptick in people asking a lot more mm -hmm. in-depth questions about, you know, not just the, am I covered, but you know, how are we doing this? How are, how are you serving me? Um, and a lot of that comes with a huge compliance push that I notice. It's really nice to see that people aren't just trying to check a box anymore because for the longest time it was, do you have this? It doesn't matter if it's doing anything. Do you have it? That it checks the box. Yeah. Now it's, do you have it? Okay. You need to show us that it's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. Otherwise that box can't get checked. So people are having to actually take this shelfware that they've had for who knows how long, just chilling there, not only get it configured, but make sure this configured the right way to try and help keep their environment safe. So, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it is a very symbiotic relationship between the threat actors that we see and development of security as a whole. If they're not pushing us, then we're not going to have to develop things to stay ahead of them. If we don't develop things, they're not going to find weaknesses in it that gives us the ability to better and fortify those weaknesses. So everybody says, you know, the world, world would be a better place without these threat actors. No. I don't think so. Without them, we would be opening ourselves up to one catastrophic failure because we never built up the defenses over time. We never reinforced them. Yeah, that motivation for advancement would be gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, evolving each year is very important and it does motivate you. Um, and to kind of pick up more on the significant shifts. We've also seen an uptick of ransomware attacks this year mm -hmm. um, with threat actors being more sophisticated. There's also been a rise in supply chain attacks, making it crucial for you to ask those questions and make sure that you're not being sold snake oil. <laughs> we actually have uh, something coming up next week where we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit of snake oil and debunking that. But there's a couple different things that you, I mean, you really need to look at. Um, a lot of people will try to put themselves in articles because it's publicity for their company. But does their company really need that publicity? Does the company actually do anything related to what they are actually talking about? What I mean by that is if you have a company that purports themselves as next generation AV solution, but they can't actually properly differentiate what a Trojan is versus spoofing or phishing. Maybe they don't need to be talking about the state of ransomware and passing ransomware, you know, acts and stuff like that. There's, there's knowing your lane, there's staying in your lane and there's having a large siren that goes off when you're departing your lane that needs to all all be you need to stay stay where you are if you start breaching and branching out you have to make sure that 
what you're saying is factual. You can't go in there with half truths. Should I give an explanation or give an example, kind of? Yeah. Now, I'm I'm not going to name names, of course, but uh, there was a let's just say security solution provider um, that decided they wanted to chime in on articles surrounding should ransomware payments be banned? Okay, great. I support healthy conversations. I don't support when the healthy conversation is quoting somebody who has been a victim of ransomware countless times. It doesn't help. I didn't have anything else. I was okay. I was like, I'm not sure how to respond. Wasn't sure to that. Was waiting for me or whatnot. I didn't really have anything else to to cover on that. I don't want to blow anybody's spot up or anything like that. It's just this year there needs to be more of a focus on truth, on facts. If you're going to sell something, let's not rely on scareware. Let's yeah. not rely on scare tactics. There's no need for that. If your product isn't good enough to stand up to the test versus other products, then stop making things up. It's going to get found out. And then what's going to be worse? The fact that you sold it in a kind of like shady snake oil or oily type, you know, method or that somebody got or somebody actually bought into that, used it, and then they suffered something because of that. Or questioned other solutions and their exactly. stack, which we've exactly. actually seen. Um, I think it's also, um, you know, something notable is the growth in AI and the mm -hmm. advancement in our cybersecurity technologies, machine learning, and AR. AI is being employed more effectively to detect and respond uh, to threats. However, that also means that the bad actors are adapting to and also utilizing um, AI as well. Um, it, it's a dynamic environment, and there's a lot um, that we could touch in on this topic for sure. So with the new developments um, over this past year, how do you think they might evolve further? Positively, negatively, or maybe like a mix of both? I think kind of going off of what Matt said, it, it sh should be both. Um, hopefully it's both, um, because the negatives are, are definitely going to keep going. Right, they're they're going to keep on. Um, they're not going to stop, um, and so there there should be as much positive as there is negative growth um, within the space. Um, negatively, I mean, as much as Matt was saying, you know, should ransom be banned or ransom payments, excuse me, be banned? Um, I I brought this up in a different conversation. Uh, you can't put laws on the bad guys. Uh, hmm. Whether you're going to pay them, great, but the data's still gone, right? The the important piece, what you would be paying for, is still unaccessible to you, um, and, and you can't banning ransom ransomware. I guess to put it bluntly, how how would you possibly pull that off? Um, you're putting laws on the good guys, and um, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna stop that. Um, if that were to happen, uh, I believe that would be a huge negative heading into this next year. Um, just personally, again, go ahead, Matt. Let's unpack that. Yeah, just a tiny bit. Okay, let's walk through the life cycle. You have company A. Company A 
gets hit with ransomware. That's not going to stop. That's going to increase this year. Targets are becoming softer, more plentiful. They're going to keep hitting them. Okay, you've been hit with ransomware. Now what? You have two options. Try to restore from backups. You're going to lose some data in doing that because there's going to be lag time between last backup and restore point. Or you pay and you try to get the data back. Okay. You've opted to go the payment route. You pay the bad actor. The bad actor provides you a decryptor. You decrypt all the files. Everything's good to go. You think that everything's all done. You've just proven that you're willing to pay to get your data back. They haven't told you how they got the initial foothold in your environment. That foothold, I guarantee you, is still there. They haven't removed themselves from your network. Why would they? Thinking like uh, like one of the bad guys, I've got access. I'm going to hold that access. I'm not going to let you know I have it, but I'm going to make sure it's there because at some point, you may have something that I want, and I'm going to go in there and get it again. Or you okay. could just be a mindless zombie to them. <laughs> exactly. So you've gone through, you've paid, you've done all that. Great. Fantastic. You opt not to pay. Same scenario. You're hit. You're, you have the options. You think, ah, we're going to go the backup, the backup route. We're not going to pay the ransom. Okay. That's what they want. That's well, that's what the U S government is fighting for. They want to ban ransomware payments. The thought there is by you not paying the ransom, you're not going to be providing money to fund terrorism or fund nation state activities that are, you know, against what we would be supportive of. Cool. I understand it. It's great. The sales pitch is there. It ends. Criminals don't care. They're going to just hop on the dark web and they're going to auction that data off. One way or another, they are going to get paid. All that's happening by banning ransomware payments is you are making companies suffer. What if a company doesn't have the best backups because they didn't have the finances for it because they were a startup at that time? But the stuff they were working on was next generation. Let's say it was a possible way of curing cancer. You're going to ban them from paying to get their data back? Really? I think it just adds another layer of vulnerability. Um, it does. It really I, does. I, I get where they're coming from. I, I get like the thought that maybe it would stop. And like maybe if I'm not going to get paid ransom, I won't hold people ransom. But like you said, there's places where this data is worth something. And it's they're going to get paid either way. So. All they're going to do by telling people that they do not or should not pay ransom or putting any fines or whatever they want to do when somebody pays a ransom is empower groups like SiegeSec. They don't ask for a ransom. They just want to watch the world burn. You're going to get less people wanting ransom back and more people that are going to do, shall we say, more destructive ransom for hire type work. They'll get paid up front by somebody, an entity, to go and just wreck an environment. No plan of recovery. Just inflict as much pain as they can. Yeah. And even that, if it did come down to money, I mean, right up my wheelhouse is fishing. 
right? Exactly. Wire wire transfers. Okay, you ban ransomware. I mean, we've seen wire transfers in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. You don't need to lock somebody's system out to get a user to click on something. No, and, you don't. And you're getting you're getting paid. I mean, it's it's not the only route, and I I feel like it does get a lot of publicity. Uh, ransomware, um, because there's a scare factor there, right? You're you're there losing is. something. Um, but I mean, these groups are, like you said, they're they're making money, and and just to kind of bring it into my wheelhouse, like I said, I mean, fishing in 2022 to 2023 went up 50 percent. What if I told or, you the efficiency of fishing is about to become extremely better? I I would absolutely agree. It's you know, do you know why it's going to become easier for people to fish? I don't know what you have on your mind, no. So one of the reasons that phishing fails is because you have people from all over the world that are trying to talk to people from other parts of the world with phishing. The dialect is never going to be spot on when you're going from country to country. There's little nuances and subtleties that give it away that, you know, this person from Virginia is probably not actually from Virginia. If they spell color with an O-U at the end instead of just O-R, chances are they're either in a province that is French-speaking or they are from someplace in Europe. So Canada, overseas, you name it. So what do you think can be leveraged to help in those kinds of situations and already is being used to help in those situations? That's definitely something I'm bringing up in our, our predictions uh, as well for 2024 is further use negatively um, using using AI and things such as ChatGPT for um, phishing and other attacks. So you can actually go into ChatGPT and tell it to put something that you're saying. Like you can write up your entire speech and say, put this in a format like it came from X country or put this in a format for X dialect and it will rewrite it so that it, you know, if you want to do proper English, it will rewrite it for you. So it's proper English. You won't have any of those giveaways like misspelled words, uh, incorrect grammar, punctuation, anything like that. It'll make it look official as a referee whistle before you send it. It's, it's interesting how it's going to, how that's all going to play. And it's still all brand new. That's mm -hmm. what that's what amazes me. Um, it, it's a constant cat and mouse game, you know. Uh, like like Tanner said, when when they grow, we grow. So it, it is you know important. So speaking of growth, let's talk about the adjustments. How has our team adapted to ongoing growth and shifts in the dynamic cybersecurity landscape? Other than of course staying frosty always. Well, internally, um, our threat exposure. Um, or the threat exposure management that we brought to uh, our stack. We prevention's prevention, right? It's always going to be um, what you're striving for. Um, but the threat exposure management, uh, what I mean by that is the insight prior to, and I guess after um, the actual prevention, right? What the changes we've made to the tools we're utilizing to make sure we have a much more clear picture, a broad picture, um, and being able to, we talked about this in prevention versus detection. Uh, and uh, I know, Elizabeth, you're going to touch on this a little bit, but 
uh, mm -hmm. the the coming together of both of those things was a huge evolution uh, for our stack this year. And uh, it, it's only going to get better. But I'll let you dig into the weeds on it a little bit. But I, I would definitely say the evolution of our our management of, of those threats outside of just, oh, it was prevented, we see it. You know, now it's it's a lot bigger than that. We have a lot more insight and our analysis is getting a lot more in depth. So. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. not just the, the tools, it's the people as well. Absolutely. Um, spending the time, taking the time to better our people as a whole, to impart the knowledge on them, to have training paths, to uh, empower them to go through and get their certifications that's all bettering the team as a whole. It makes us better in the form of defense because it gives us a better foundation that we can build from. Then we can take that knowledge that we have and we can apply it to the data that we're seeing in all of the tools. So we have the ability to go through. And as you said, we have that wide view, but then we can also bring it down to where we're hyper granular with it as well. And that's, you know, that's just something that comes from years of experience. Just wanted to say hello and thank you, uh, John and Brian, for being here. We see you in the comments. Um, and to touch more on that, what Tanner was talking about, um, having the ability to see the event that is prevented and then digging deep into that are the new and upgraded services that uh, BlockWorks um, implemented this year. Uh, as Matt said, staying vigilant is crucial, and the dedication of our team on the development front has been truly remarkable this last year. Uh, just to recap, BlockWorks has undergone significant transformations. We've overhauled our made plus EDR, which is what Tanner was kind of bringing up, is not only can we see that prevented event, but we also have that EDR side where we can dig deeper and see everything that led up to that prevented event to make sure there's no further um, footholds or anything of that nature. Um, we've also introduced SCUD plus CDR, which again allows us to dig deeper into every event, um, look further into login events, um, and so on and so forth. And this is something that we actually covered on our previous uh, stream, if you want to go check that out. Um, and now offer NVAP, a managed vulnerability assessment platform, which Matt kind of brought up um, they will be bringing that up and dissecting that a little bit um, in the webinar next week. Mm -hmm. And we will also be delving, diving deeper into those uh, services um, on the next uh, safety brief as well. So if you are interested in learning a little bit more about MVAP and the differences between pen testing and vulnerability scans, uh, this next tree might be something for you to jump into as well. That's why I'm having to think about what I'm saying today because I don't want to don't want to take away from what we're going to have on Tuesday because that, there's a lot of work that has gone into what we're going to discuss on Tuesday the offering as a whole everything so I want to make sure that I'm respectful of that no, I totally get it it's it's all exciting things like I said there's just been significant growth and effort put into uh, 2023 um, that way 2024 with BlockWorks is just going to be exponential. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a, a year of growth. Uh, but let's shift our focus to what lies ahead. Uh, what significant forecasts do you foresee for the upcoming year in the field of cybersecurity? 
Uh, predicting the future in cybersecurity is always a challenge. Uh, this is something that we kind of brought up uh, previously, Matt. Um, but my anticipation is a notable rise in AI um, mm -hmm. assisted attacks. This includes the well-crafted phishing emails. Uh, so it'll be harder to detect um, scripts. Um, and even personally, I've gone in ChatGPT just to play around and I was able to obtain payloads, the um, examples of phishing emails. I was able to ask ChatGPT to rewrite things for me. So I have that grammar and there's no issues there along with a step-by-step -step guide on how to um, carry out certain attacks. So my biggest prediction mm -hmm. is a rise of these AI assisted attacks, which will lead to a rise of script kitties. And oh, we can't call them that anymore. <laughs> they're <laughs> well, no longer script kitties. They're now bot kitties. <laughs> oh, well with a rise of bot kitties, uh, meaning that I have a prediction of more, attacks on smaller businesses or even yeah. on the personal side, because these little guys who are using AI assisted attacks are not going to go after the big guys uh, if they're smart. <laughs> so Tanner, Matt, I mean, thoughts and predictions for the, for the upcoming year. Yeah. I, uh, Oh, go ahead. no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Tanner. I, I'm stepping mine, back to you. One you of mine kind of right along with, with yours, Elizabeth, and I'm hoping for the defensive side of AI uh, to grow, obviously, just as much. Um, AI automation in general, um, hopefully leveraging AI um, to gain that that speed and efficacy. Um, there's, again, I don't think there's any stopping the use of AI. Like you said, you were able to obtain something publicly that quickly. Um, you're gonna have those bot kitties. Um, just kind of jumping on the train, maybe even trying it out. And um, hopefully the use of AI on the defensive side um, for my 2024 forecast um, becomes a lot more uh, viable. Um, not that it isn't now, but um, I believe that AI, it, it's going to bring a lot of good just as much as it can bring bad. Um, it just takes kind of like what Matt said, you know, it's, well, Elizabeth said it's cat and mouse, but we're playing with each other. We're trying to figure out, you know, What's their next move? What's their next move? And, and everybody's learning. Um, and I think AI is going to tie into that um, in 2024 uh, heavily. Um, another one that I had uh, was uh, potentially this this might be a, a small part of the year, but uh, it can inflict some major damages. Um, hacktivism. We're in an election year. Um, the, the potential for a little bit more politically focused uh, social agenda type um moves to be made um, we have a major conflict obviously going on overseas um the elections i believe it's an olympics year as well um, it is an olympic so, year so um obviously just some big events some some worldwide recognized um type stuff going on and uh, i mean hacktivism is um when you're leveraging motives like that people can get nasty um and so potentially uh, for 2024, like I said, it might be a small part of the year, um, but I could definitely see an uptick in politically driven um, type of attacks. Uh, and then one thing, what you were saying about the politically driven overseas already this year, uh, there was an election that was held. And on the day of voting, 
there was a cyber attack that took place that took down the app that provided all of the information about the stances of all of the uh, potential elected officials and everything else. As people oh, wow. into the polls, they it, they took the app down. So people were basically, if they didn't do any research, they were in there voting blind. So, you know, you're you're very much correct. There's going to, I mean, this year, given given how already charged the atmosphere is around this election, I am anticipating that there is going to be a rise of, I don't want to say homegrown terrorist activities, but I have a feeling there is going to be a rise in people just trying to disrupt things. Yeah. Not for any malicious purpose, but they're just going to try to disrupt it to make it inconvenient for others. Yeah. Yeah, just the, to show the last... that they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, and the motivation there. I mean, people people get heated on those topics, right? Um, and when you have that type of, for lack of better word, fire under your butt, right, to to go and do something like that, um, especially with the assistance of AI, mm-hmm. it's going to become possible very quickly. Um, John just mentioned in for... his chat about the deep fakes occurring. That that's a hundred percent accurate. Um, with the advent of AI and with GPT bringing out, you know, their ability to create uh, image and video with some of the other AIs that are out there uh, via Bard, via Grok, via whatever Microsoft decided they wanted to release. Um, I mean, they're tied into G- uh, to chat GPT, but it's funny they're releasing their own version of stuff as well. Uh, there's there's a very wide array of things you can use but even on top of that you were talking about the advent of ai being used against us how many large language models do you believe exist right now that are purely designed for malicious intent more than we want to know mm-hmm. more than so we want to know you've got worm gpt you've got fraud gpt and dark bard i mean why not? Uh, you've got Wolf GTP or GPT. Uh, you've got a another one out there that's designed for rats and botnets. I mean, you name a specific use for something that is malicious. There's a large language model that has been trained specifically to help you build those. Yeah, the, the last piece of my forecast, um, following a little bit of hacktivism, or potentially a lot, um, is a potential rise in zero-click attacks, um, mm-hmm. or, or the use of attacks where, where obviously, I live in the cloud world, the SaaS application world, um, obviously, phishing has gone up for years on, on end, um, but the, the ability to exploit things like Outlook and, and Gmail, um, for users to simply just preview something and and all of a sudden they're hooked, right? Um, it, I wouldn't say that it was a part of a 2023 trend, um, but it's definitely a topic, right? It's been brought up. Um, and again, they're just predictions. I really can't base that off of any statistical information, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised with, with more of the attacks surrounding uh lack of interaction or the need 
for mm -hmm. interaction. And that brings up my last prediction, which was a positive prediction and the hopes of the cybersecurity realm to adopt more prevention-centric cybersecurity due to things of that nature. So um, like Matt and I say, if you don't know the number, don't answer it. Um, kind of what Tanner's saying, don't interact. If, if you don't open it, you can't be harmed. Um, or having that prevention in place, uh, the email would never come to your inbox. So that's something that in, in hopes, uh, or that I hope, hope will come this, this year. So, which is, you know, one of the biggest reasons why we like to hold the safety brief, just to kind of spread some awareness and some, some positivity, not all scare and gloom. So what about you, Matt? What are your major predictions for this year? I predict doom and gloom. <laughs> no, I, oh, I really don't. It was so some nightmares. <laughs> my, my thoughts on this next year it's it's going to be very interesting. Everything Tanner brought up, it's a powder keg. Everything is primed for something terrible to happen, but we're already seeing the terrible happening. Hospitals are getting hit with ransom. Public education is getting hit with ransom. It's almost like a limbo bar where one group does something that is just atrocious and completely unconscionable, and the other group says lower the bar and hold my beer. I mean, it's like they're in a competition for who can do the crappiest thing to humanity. It's going to get to a point where it's going to come to a head. Something bad is going to happen that could have easily been prevented and nobody's going to understand why, but it's going to spark a brand new ultra renewed interest in trying to shut things down before they actually get in the environment. That's what it took to, you know, really get antivirus off the ground in the first place. People had to start actually getting hit with viruses before they started realizing that they needed something to keep them safe. Same thing is evolving. As AI is going to be used more and more throughout our daily jobs, lives, everything, we're going to need something that's going to be able to counter that AI. You need something that is as smart as or smarter than the attacker coming at you. You have to remember that large language models are a culmination of insane amounts of data. So it's thought processes and logic from all kinds of different sources. The logic may be completely out of left field, but it may actually work. And it's a mindset that others don't think like. So if you tap into that as part of the large language model and you find, you know, items that were generated from that, it may go completely around what your security stance is because you didn't think that that's a, a viable, you know, method of entry. So we need to have the technology that's able to keep up with that, which means that you need something that's going to be on par with or greater than a large language model. I hate to say it. It's not going to be machine learning. Machine learning is going to be data sets that are going to be compiled. They're going to have their little constraints that they have to fall between. Still a lot of limitation there. So deep learning. Deep learning takes infinitely more time to properly train. Much longer process, very detailed. But we've seen the results with our security solution of what deep learning is capable of doing against new threats, unknown threats, zero-day items that that come out. And I'm not talking about zero-day vulnerabilities. I'm talking about 
threats that we're catching as they are being released before people start going widespread and using them like they're on sale at Dollar General. We're talking the stuff straight from the source that we're able to prevent that has never been seen again or seen, seen before in the world. That's what I'm hoping. And, and my goal this year is to try and help usher that in. I like where your mindset is, Elizabeth. We need more prevention. I'm just hoping that this year, that is something we see. Moving towards more prevention, more understanding. Hell, I would even settle for just asking questions of vendors. Don't blindly accept. If one company asks of their vendor, have you been validated by a third party? And how was that validation done? I consider that a win for this entire year because you're no longer blindly accepting. You're asking for proof of that validation, proof of efficacy. I think we will see a rise um, in that this year. Um, John also had a really good comment um, bringing up uh, insurance agencies who, mm -hmm. you know, obviously you have to check a box. You have to answer those questions. So we have seen a rise in more um, uh, vendor specific questions. And I, I'm thinking or hoping that we'll see more of that uh, throughout this upcoming year. The insurance questionnaires are getting a lot more detailed as well. They are no longer, do you have an AV solution? Yes <laughs> or no? With some other stuff there. It's not, do you have, it's now, do you have, is it properly configured? Can you prove to us and demonstrate that it is properly configured? So there's a lot more emphasis on actually having that knowledge to configure it that kind of lends itself towards the offerings that we have where we have that management capability where we can go through and configure all of that ensure that it's up to the right level of uh certification make sure that you have the right level of protection and prevention with a balance to ensure you can keep working but you're also secure Yeah. And I mean, another thing with that security validation, you know, asking if I'm covered, it was big. It was really big for 2023 and kudos to our partners um, because we've seen mm -hmm. uh, a, a massive escalation in uh, requests to validate and verify um, certain configurations. What's going on here? Why did this happen? Um, uh, ownership, honestly. And, and I, that ownership continuing into 2024, like Matt said, would be huge for we actually had questions come in because of those security uh questionnaires that we actually had to provide a response back because we as the vendor had to talk to our vendor to ensure things now the good thing is we already had the answers to a couple of those questions about you know our security stack had it been validated by a third party and what were the criteria behind that so we had all the information showing the black box testing that was done against the security solution, the results of that security solution, and comparative results against you know what the baseline was that was being tested against. Those are the things you guys, don't be scared to ask for those things. Vendors should be willing to provide you that information. They shouldn't be hiding that information or siloing it away. They should be proud to say the extent they're going through to keep you safe. Because that shows the level of partner that they want to be for you. I would say think of uh, buying a new car. 
You're not going to buy mm-hmm. a new car or a, a used car without knowing the Carfax or has it been in a wreck? Um, how does this work? What are the, the ratings or even car seats? Are there any, you know, recalls? Uh, what What is the crash testing? Like you're going to ask these questions for things that um, matter to you. So when you ask your vendors these questions, you're showing them or showing us that security truly matters to you. And, and it's, it's nice to see, like Matt said. I'm looking forward to a very positive 2024 in, in the realm of cyber. Things are set to where it could go one way or the other, but I'm going to err on the side of being a little bit more optimistic this year. There's so much in place to keep everybody safe, to help defend, you know, the current way of life that we actually have. And people are starting to realize that, you know, the questions need to be asked. And when they are asked, everything comes up. As one group elevates, other groups elevate. So we can lift everybody up just by being a bit more cognizant this year. Well, what a fascinating discussion today. Uh, that wraps up our discussion on unraveling 2023 and our predict- predictions for 2024. Uh, Tanner, Matt, thank you both for joining me today. As always, it was a pleasure. I have one more thing. Sure, go right ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, it is January of 2024, and that means you're going to start getting a whole bunch of spam about taxes. <laughs> If you are looking for a tax program and you are going to Google, my suggestion would be don't click on sponsored links. Don't provide your Go right to the company website. Don't click on a sponsored link from them. Don't click on a sponsored link saying get it here cheaper. If you're getting it cheaper, you're probably the product. I'm just throwing that out there. So just be careful. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff coming in now about taxes. Just don't don't click on something that you don't want to actually click on. We want we want to see you guys safe. We want to see you guys prospering. Nobody's going to prosper if they click on something bad and they end up getting screwed by, you know, a fake tax solution. That's not good. We don't want that. So just be aware. This is no different point. than the holiday time. Yeah. They're going to use something opportunistic and they're going to try and strike with it. Taxes so. uh everything surrounding taxes involve uh, pretty much every bit of personal information you could possibly have. It's, yeah. it's a PII dream. If they yeah. can, if they can get, get you with tax stuff, man, you could give them a treasure trove of stuff that they could use. Yeah. That's bad. Don't use off brand. If you don't know the brand, if you've never heard of it, don't put your information. Like Matt said, go to the specific site. If you're doing it online or just call a tax professional. That that's that's my go-to. I don't do any software at home. I don't do any of that. I go to a tax professional. I take all the stuff that I need. I trust that they're going to do it. They have their processes to secure my PII while it's there. We're good. That was a great thing to throw in there. Uh, good good thought, Matt. Um, again, thank you both for being here and um, engaging in in a great conversation, bringing up some great topics. Uh, And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the first safety brief of 2024 uh, with hopes of growth this year and the spread of awareness. Uh, We wish you a year of secure 
security. <laughs> also, feel free to share your own predictions in the comment section. We did see a couple of you in there today, and we appreciate you engaging. Um, and we'll catch you on the next episode. So uh, as Matt said, uh, stay frosty. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth.